Listening to the music on your own terms podcast. Business, 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 Welcome to episode 11 of the podcast. This time around, I'm starting a new series where we follow my own band, Creatures and Chemicals, as we experiment with different marketing, promotional, and networking ideas to see what works and what doesn't. This episode is really just an introductory episode where we sit down and kind of shoot the shit for a little while and get to know each other. Hopefully the conversation doesn't go too far into the weeds, but I think it will give the series a good context and to find out who we are and where we're coming from, our likes and dislikes, and just general opinion. Head on over to facebook.com forward slash music on your own terms, leave a comment, give us some opinions on the episode, and maybe even share some ideas and strategies that you've tried, what worked, what didn't work, why it didn't work. Let's get the conversation rolling and start to share ideas. I hope you enjoy me shooting the shit with my bandmates, Creatures and Chemicals, as we hang out at a random parking lot in Arlington, Texas. You know what this reminds me of? What's up? Like, back in the day, when you just go out and just hang somewhere with your friends, like... No particular... No particular shit to do. Rhyme or reason to be hanging out in a parking lot. Exactly. Kind of dig it. Takes back to the roots. All right, so we're uh, we're hanging out after a good practice session. I'm with my uh, my own band, Creatures and Chemicals. Uh, why don't you guys um, introduce yourself? So I'm Adam Ross. Uh, I play guitar and help with uh, the lyrics. Uh, I'm Brett Barrett. I'm a drummer. Uh, help with the rhythm. <laughs> cool. Help with the rhythm. <laughs> so we're gonna. Um, we're going to start shooting the shit about uh, state of the music industry. Um, so what are your thoughts? Live scene or? Uh, I think uh, something I've kind of noticed over the last few days, just like booking shows and stuff like that, or trying to like get people to give us offers, is really how like into the mindset of like exposure is your payment. is kind of becoming prevalent right like killer's taco show like i like the fact that we don't have to sell tickets but at the same Mm -hmm. time like payout is uh a free round of drinks for the people that most like right right bring the most people in so it's a fine line to cross because i feel like you do kind of have to pay your dues at some point but at the same time like i feel like you know if you take it seriously in any kind of way you should want to you know, get something for it, you right. know what I mean, like, you know, notoriety and just playing for fun, I mean, is one thing, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I don't know, it's kind of like, you know, to me, I've kind of embraced kind of making it more of, like, a side business, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, I, I definitely think that so. having the mindset that uh, a band, you, you have to run it as a business, otherwise, you're really not going to get anywhere, um, you know, I, I think... I see. I see all too often that bands treat it as a hobby, and then what ends up happening is your results are, you know, their hobby results basically. And what happens is you just don't. Um, it just doesn't get anywhere, and then people start complaining that they're not getting anywhere, yep. but they're not putting the business. I agree. With, I, I agree so. with that one hundred percent. Because what happens is, you know, if you guys are just meeting up to play on the weekends there's nothing wrong with that like i think that's perfectly fine but 
you know, if you're aiming to do any kind of shows, I mean, you have to like step into a little bit of the business side because you're going to be selling tickets. You don't necessarily have to sell merch if that's what you're into, but you know, if if it's a hobby, guys won't care about, you know, canceling shows or I can't play tonight, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it becomes you know, at some point, and I think with a lot of bands, you have more people that more often than not, one or two people in the band take it really seriously, and then other people kind of don't. And I've experienced that myself. And what ends up happening is the people that treat it like a hobby and it's no big deal to like cancel and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, your other members' reputations are, you know, kind of. I, I think that that ends up, yeah, you know, they, they go downhill. And but I think that that ends up with a lot of resentment. Yeah. And that, that, that brings up a really good point about things like band agreements. People need to, uh, a really good idea is to um, write up an agreement of what your aims, your goals, and what the, you know, operating um, procedures are for the band. Right. And really just everyone agree to it so that when, an, you know, an opportunity or a, an issue arises, no one, everyone kind of knows what they've already agreed to and no one can say, hey, you know, yeah, I, I, exactly. I'm not gonna go. You have I'm not to, gonna go by that. So. You have to commit a little bit. I mean, yeah. you're, you know, it's the same thing. I mean, you know, think about like playing like kickball with people from work. You know, they're depending on you to play. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, it's not like a big deal. It's only for work. If you go into it with that kind of mindset, you know, they're not gonna like you. They're not gonna right. want to hang out with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not right. dependable. So even if you are going into it with just the idea that. You know, it's going to be fun, and, you know, you're going to jam out and go play some shows. That's fine, but you have to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, yeah, at the end of the day, you're just, you're just going to be stuck. I mean, at the same time, don't beat yourself up too much about music. Like, it, when I started playing, it was, I always had to be, like, my mindset of the best, which there's really no such thing oh. right. in the business. I mean, like we said, it, at the end of the day, it's a business. But you gotta you gotta have fun, otherwise it's oh, just you just can't. Like, I think you can't, I think you can't be a perfectionist. Basically, yeah, is what I'm trying I, to I say. I think that mindset actually stopped me from playing in bands for a really long time. Like I, I had this feedback loop where I was, oh, I'm not I'm not good enough, so I practice more, and then I just like, oh, I can't really go out and play because I don't know this song properly, and I'm gonna too. screw it up. But then at some point, it was like. Fuck it. I'm just going to go out just gotta and join go. a band. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's like, to me, that's kind of like my thing with everything. Like, if I decide I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. It did take me a really <laughs> long time, longer than I probably would have liked to have kind of started a band or gotten to bands. Because, you know, it was only like, I would say, I started doing band stuff seriously, like maybe like five years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I went back to playing bass just kind of like out of necessity, like... You know, and what's ironic, like, bass players are typically failed guitar players, and, oh my god, my phone's ringing, sorry. Wow. We can cut this out, right? It's just my wife. I love you. But, um, but for for me, it was, it was the reverse. Like, I was, I actually feel like I'm better at guitar, so... You know, having that experience of going to play bass, though, I actually think made me a better guitar player just in oh, general. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely don't think bass players are failed guitar players. It's a it's a different instrument altogether. And um, what the reason why I wanted to do this band that way is just because it gets me out of my comfort zone. And I always had an issue doing backing vocals and playing guitar. Yeah. So now I'm playing bass and quote-unquote singing. Um, and it's, it's tough because you've got to pay attention to do different things and unless I'm playing straight quarter notes or 16th notes or whatever uh, it it really taxes your concentration trying to get the rhythm of the playing and the rhythm of the singing to you know a, a lot of times they're two different things yeah I can't I mean I can't do it at all right. like I can't sing and play very well at all and it's actually the funny thing is it's actually just a lack of like confidence <laughs> I could do it but I just I've never really like focused on it you right, know what I mean because right, right. I'm too afraid so but <clears throat> so what um, what other challenges have you guys uh, experienced over the years that have maybe set you back or that's something that you've maybe um, overcome Biggest challenge is people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, can, finding people 
to connect with that you actually want to play with and I feel like I feel like I had that you know a little bit with like the first instance of Creatures and Chemicals uh, but uh, I definitely feel I don't know I definitely feel better about the three of us in this situation you know what I mean I was a little worried not having like you know an extra guitar and stuff and just being a three-piece but I like Everything I've heard is solid, and I mean that's yeah. really the biggest challenge—just finding people to. No, I've I've experienced the same kind. Commit. Of thing. Yeah, yeah it's, no, and, you also have to have good chemistry with the people you're with. Oh, sure, absolutely. Like, you know, you got to be friends. Yeah, you guys are the no first band what. like I've ever like actually hung out with. That's cool. Like, yeah, like you got to <laughs> hang out after shows. And yeah, games. like we went and saw Real Big Fish. You know what yeah, I mean? We did. Yeah, we like, yep. um, like actually do shit together, so that's kind of yeah. cool. It's more to me, it's more kind of built more out of like that friendship aspect like you and I had talked for you know for forever just online until you got here that was that was the know? point I, I reached out to you know? for, for the sole reason like you know I wanted to hang around with someone and you know go to shows and whatnot and just so happens that we started playing music together yep but, yeah. so it was a natural kind of like fit which I think is really good yeah. uh, but everything else man I think it's just I think it's all subjective I mean you, you know Things are as hard on you as you want them to be. I mean, I think the key thing is to get dudes that are committed on some level, one way. Either you're, you know, uber committed or you, like you said, you know, you do a band, band agreement and, you know, it's just going to be a hobby and this is how we're going to handle shows. And, you know, if we all agree on a show, we have to commit and we yeah. play it, you know, because that's my biggest, I think that would kind of be my biggest pet peeve is canceled shows. Like, oh, yeah. unless it's, Unless it's like, a, I mean, you know, stuff happens. I mean, yeah. you know, there's always going to be shit. And, you know, that's a little bit different. But, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's kind of been my experience that, you know, just the shows just get canceled. Right. You know, just kind yeah, of left I out mean, there. And, and, again, it all goes back to the band agreement and the level of commitment and how everyone is, ex- you know, and I, I think expectation kills a lot of situations just because there's no prior agreement. Yeah. Like if you if you sit down and you say I ex like we expect everyone to you know be um, give a hundred percent or do yep. this or do that, but if that that's agreement doesn't get set up in the first place, then I don't think anyone really has a right to be upset because you never you never agreed on it to begin. Yeah, with. you didn't establish like you didn't establish like the boundaries and where yeah. you guys are going. Exactly. You know, and it's something funny too that I've noticed. I noticed the other day. Somebody posted something on Facebook looking for members, and I think it's interesting. Like to me, there's three kinds of like musicians, right? You have hobby musicians, mm-hmm. you have um, like you know fair weather musicians who are like really good, can play really well, but don't put time into it, and then you have like just straight up musicians until like do it until you die. And I think it's funny. Like, because I saw this post where this guy was like, yeah, I'm looking for band members, you know, and they, we, they always quantify it with, I have, I'm married, I have kids, right. I have a, you know, I have a good job. And what they're setting you up for is they're actually setting you up to, like, kind, they're kind of relaying some of their commitment level right there. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? That means that they're not going to have time to go in 100%. My thing is, and then they, you know, they always quantify it with like, you know, oh, I'm not trying to make a career. This, that, yeah, you that know, mindset that's like, right there is, is, I think that's, that's a big mistake because you're, you're setting yourself up to fail already. already. Like, you know, you, and the thing about it is, I mean, you know, I mean, uh, I just, I just don't think that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't think it, I don't think it can't happen. You know what right. I mean? I'm just going to fucking write songs play some clubs, try to sell some merchandise, yeah. and see what happens. You know, yeah, whatever edu- happens, happens. I guess risk is not taking one at all. Exactly, yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you just, um, you know, you educate yourself on, you know, social media or, or, or this, that, well, and the other, and then you just, you basically try stuff. That's yeah. what, I mean, That that's kind of the whole point of recording this podcast and, you know, subsequent episodes is the fact that, um, you know, we're... we're we're all um, looking to experiment with the business side as well as playing live. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, I think whatever sticks, we throw it at the wall and we try it. And if it doesn't work, then we move on to the next thing. And we say, yeah. oh, that didn't work. And then we find out why it didn't work. Yeah, well, I mean, like, I think to me, 
you know, we're the, to, it's going to sound kind of weird because we're the perfect, I think we're in the perfect time frame. Mm-hmm. We're also kind of the perfect age. I mean, mid yeah. to late 30s, you know, I mean, to me at least, you know, we have that kind of like, you know, those trappings that we wouldn't necessarily get caught into. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you get, you know, younger kids and all these bands and I watch like all the videos of like their, their bands that they do and stuff like that. And I think it's a common misconception that they have to go out and destroy themselves in those vans playing, you know what I mean, little clubs. I don't understand that. You can play local. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, bro. No, you're good, man. But, yeah, you can play local, get your name out there, then you just throw it out on social media. Yeah. And create videos, you know. I never understood, like, the methodology behind, like, alcoholism or paraphernalia. Mm -hmm. Like, because my high is my music. Like, I don't really need any of that to understand how powerful music is. Yeah. And how cool it is to play with other people, because that's that's a trip in itself. I just like to jam. Just like to jam. Same way. So what do you, um, what did you go, how did you guys get into music in the first place? What what caused (coughs) you to, like, pick up a guitar or a pair of drumsticks and say, (laughs) I have to do that? This is going to be the dumbest story ever, and... Uh, for those of you that can't see me, I am a rather large individual and uh, have been for quite some time, so I don't think it'll come as a surprise. Uh, well, let me start off by saying this. When I was a little kid, I would always play my dad's acoustics and stuff and, like, play my brother Rance's guitars. And, like, so I was always around guitars and stuff, and I always loved music. So, like, I always had kind of, like, a thing for it. Like, I was always listening to it when I was a kid. Um, I really liked, like you know like 50s music when i was little like uh-huh. um you know but when i started getting into like the harder stuff like listen to the black album and you know listen to my sister's albums and stuff like that and then somewhere along the line i was like 15 or 16 and i'll never forget this like every kid in school was writing adidas all over their notebooks and it was 96 97 so i was like i was talking to a friend of mine and I was like, what's up with this band Adidas everybody's <laughs> into? And he's like, it's corn. And then so what he did is he made me a, um, a, a mixtape, yes, an actual tape cassette. And on one side it had corn, life is peachy. But on the other side he had room, so he put um, uh, Cowboys from Hell from 101 Live, uh, Cemetery Gates, and... Um, seek and destroy like to kind of fill it out yeah and i listened to corn and i like corn a lot but i was like pantera is kind of mm-hmm. like where it's at steinbeck is, is my favorite guitar player ever but we're actually um, sitting in arlington too so yeah yeah we're in arlington not right, too far away right in the heart of it. rest in peace man he's not far but uh but what's funny is i started listening to heavy music and a big thing back then was getting the musician's friend catalog mm-hmm. and you just look at different guitars and stuff like that and i was eating um i was eating a back of Doritos. <laughs> And it was Doritos was having some kind of a promotion. I don't know why, but they gave away guitar picks in the bag. And I was like, oh, man, maybe that's my sign. I should start playing guitar. So I called up my buddy Joseph and he had started playing guitar. And I was like, dude, I think I'm going to start playing guitar. And he's like, no, you should play bass. I was like, it's a good idea. I think I'm going to start playing bass. So, you know, went, got a pawn shop Yamaha, actually. Uh, and then I just kind of started from there. And I mean, I just like... You know, I taught myself, uh, which is, I guess, not that surprising. Um, but, yeah, I just, like, picked it up and play. I mean, I had, you know, I would learn some stuff. Like, I think the first song I learned how to play on bass was uh, Orgy, Blue Monday. Because mm-hmm. it had just come out and everybody was into it. So, that was the first song I learned. And then from there, I really couldn't play anything else. <laughs> so, I just wrote original stuff. And then, at some point, when I was 20, I sold my bass and I got a real guitar and then it's just been kind of going from there but yeah it's definitely that tape anyway so uh yeah no i got a mixtape of satriani that that yeah. really did it for guitar because then um yeah i was hooked after that yeah i played that thing to death so what about you brett how did you start uh it was a mixture of things of course it's like i was 15 years old when i picked up drumsticks um what mainly started it for me was going I was in high school or actually it was probably middle school and then the beginning of high school <clears throat> I had a buddy Jacob Castro who's actually the drummer for Everlet in Philadelphia what's up Jacob um, <clears throat> he I saw him play at a talent show at one of our schools and I said I have to do that 
like I have to do what he's doing and I remember going up to his drum kit just like attempting to play it and uh, there was like this dickwad in one of my classes bullies like I know how to make you cry it's like you don't know how to play drums and I actually did tear up because like it really meant a lot like it was reverse psychology so I was in Washington DC with uh, a, a travel camp one year and I saw these drumsticks at Hard Rock Cafe in DC and I said what like I just want to have these to you know display in my room and the lady was like, you know, well, you could also use them as back massagers. And I'm like, well, <laughs> okay. uh, you know, and ever since then, I just said, you know what? I don't want to do that. I actually want to use them for what they're meant for. And so I started playing on books. I started playing on magazines. I started getting like little tiny cheap drums and playing on those. My uh, a friend of our family's Frank, uh, called my uncle Frank, got me my first drum set. It was just 300 bucks, came with everything, sounded like crap. And then I started my first band in 11th and 12th grade in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, what really got me into rock or punk or punk rock in that matter and then metal uh, was the Offsprings album Americana in 1998. Uh, I opened up the CD case and there was an ashtray with a apple pie. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, American pie, you know, like the Americana. I listened to that album front to back. To this day, it gives me chills because it's one of they got back to their roots. I saw them live last year at Edgefest. They're amazing. And then, like, I like I started getting into like you know just the old school stuff like Rufio and Misfits, Rancid. And uh, I saw a buddy of mine wearing a shirt that said "sick," not like you know, oh you're sick, you're gonna throw up type thing, but it said S I C. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, there's this band called Slipknot. You gotta listen to them. And I'm like, swear jar. Yeah, there's another swear jar. Just kidding. <laughs> and ever since then, I fell in love with those guys, and they're playing some brutal, you could call it new metal, but it's more like industrial metal. Um, and what they did to metal was really cool. They, they, they made it more experimental. They able to sample things, have DJs in it, and, you know, just, I saw them live in 09, and that was, that was amazing. Amazing night. I was right here in Texas at Verizon Theater in Grand Prairie. Mm-hmm. I actually agree yeah. with that as far as like Slipknot being like different when they came out. Like the first album, I loved it. They really changed the face of too. like they took like what Marilyn Manson and Korn did, and then they they did that rap metal type thing with Spit It Out, and then Surfacing was just like I want to destroy my room type of song. Mm-hmm. And since I suffered from severe anxiety and depression and still do, those guys really helped me get through life. Mm-hmm. Period. Um, to this day. They helped me, oh, of course, you know, my fiance Nicole, my family, my friends, you, Simon, everybody has, I have a really great support group, and I guess you could say I'm blessed, as people say these days, but the point of the matter is, is that if it wasn't for, like, that foundationary area of music, I wouldn't have the confidence to ask Nicole out, I wouldn't have had the confidence to pick up drumsticks, right. and just instead of being told, hey man, you suck, you can't do this, well, I'm going to take that as leverage and just bounce off Absolutely. and just say, like, look, I can do this. Like, it's going to be hard. It's going to suck. I mean, Dave Grohl said that when he went to Seattle, he had just had a briefcase and his drum set, and they just got into a garage, and they just sucked, and they became the greatest band in the world, well, Nirvana. I think that, yeah, and I think just, and sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt No, you you're good, man. You're but good. I was going to interject with that. I mean, I think, you know, that those growing pains... And getting through them is part of the fun, man. Like, when we would start bands in high school, like, I had uh, a tiny little PV bass amp. <coughs> you couldn't hear it over drums, you know, but we would just roll and yeah. try to do whatever. We never got good. But at the same point, you know, it's that, you know, that fun. I mean, eventually you'll come up with something, yeah. you know. Absolutely. So. I mean, you guys haven't heard it yet because it's not out. So at the time of this recording, but... Episode 10 is uh, an interview with my uh, high school friend, and um, there's a uh, song at the end which is from our 15-year-old selves on a really shit tape deck that yeah. we recorded in the music room, so you guys are in for a treat. <laughs> well, and see, and that's the thing, too, is, is, like, you know, talking about being the best time to, like, start a band and make music, I mean, you know, when we were in high school, you know, we didn't have any of that shit. No. I mean... 
when we could print out tabs and we could like learn the songs and stuff like that <laughs> we well, you're, you're a lot younger than i we am because we didn't have that at all. we couldn't record them you know yeah, like we, we didn't couldn't... have we didn't have technology today we didn't have like a, a smartphone where you could just youtube yourself playing drums or playing guitar I and know. then you instantly get like if you get a thousand hits like hey youtube's like we maybe pay you for this if you get a certain amount of likes or whatever but that being said People would actually go back to go to shows back in the day. Mm-hmm. I remember sure. we used to go to, there was this one band um, at our high school called Stick Face. And, you know, when they'd play, man, they'd get, like, a good, like, 100, 150 kids at these VFW yeah. halls in Mesquite, man. So people were into it back then. I, I think that's indicative of the way, um, you know, what people are doing in terms of you know their distractions these days mm-hmm. everything's going online i mean actually that that's a good jumping off point for a conversation uh the guy the the dj uh marshmallow head mm-hmm. had a what 10 million people on a concert inside of the Fortnite game yeah like that's where everything's going so it's crazy it's, it, crazy. it's kind of weird so and yeah it's i think that that in itself is a challenge in today's musical you know landscape and the fact that people just have so much entertainment and so much stuff that they can watch right yeah it's it's extremely overwhelming today i mean i majored in pr at at university of north texas which is an excellent music school and twitter instagram and facebook are just like the foundations Mm. of social media where you have like everything bounces off of that every kid today has a smartphone and they're always down on it like looking at it and it could be in the middle of traffic and we all know that it's just it, it's starting to get to the point where it's just overwhelmingly dangerous it's like well, oh man you know whatever happened now they're bringing back vinyl records and to me that's cool because you could see the album artwork you can read it easier you could take out like, like if you have a kid it'd be like daddy or you know mommy what's this it'd be like well in the 70s and 80s these were huge or even the 60s too but like it, it sounds 10 times better than an M4A or an MP3 and not only that, like a cassette, like we mentioned earlier, and then compact discs, all that stuff should be, like, yeah. issued to, I, to I, young I kids. Miss, I miss that hiss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny, too, just talking to, just thinking about high school and thinking about, like, you know, you know how those bands actually got people to their shows. We used to take um, little made-up patches. Like, they would draw their band logo on the patch, like, or on a piece of paper, and they would laminate it. And they'd cut them out and they'd hand them around at school and then we'd all staple them to our backpacks to show our support. Nice. So they were marketing themselves. Yeah. yeah so I, I think from from there to to now it's it's just a case of you gotta find the way of reaching people. You know, we got it, it's all very well saying, you know, the, the 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 landscape is getting worse because people are attached to their phones. I think that's kind of an excuse because, you know, huge companies market to everyone there's a way to do it you just have to like we said before you have to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall see what sticks and move on well the thing about it too that I think a lot of musicians may not get and maybe they do but you have to write good songs right like i oh, think yeah, that's, that's part of i think that's, that's part yeah, of what like in this industry you gotta write good says, lyrics yeah. you know i mean you not have just to have a good song not like good lyrics even if they have to be it has to have i guess consistency is the first word that comes to mind in a sense that like some songs i'll listen to even by some of my favorite rock bands or metal bands or whatever i'm like man how do they write this like it doesn't make sense but they're the ones on like 97.1 the eagle getting airtime and I'm like, okay, they did something right. They all got together. They all collaborated. Well, I mean, they all had a think tank. Save. But at the same time, um, you know, uh, what is it? Like uh, people rag on Lars Ulrich, for example, from Metallica. Like he's the man in the arena. So like I'm not to be judicious of him if I were to meet him and say, hey, man, you really should, you know, step it up and not. Like, well, he's sitting in front of thousands of people. Right. I don't and care. Yeah, whether I mean, it was the Napster thing or whatever, he's still Metallica's drummer. And I'm still, you know, just an average You're music. still the beast. Yeah, I'm still the beast. <laughs> but, well, I mean, the thing about, like, you Lots know. Lots of love, though. I mean, you know, the thing about, like, Metallica and, like, you know, Five Finger Death Punch. I mean, say what you will about them. I mean, they're an arena band. Yeah, they, you are, know a what great, I'm saying? they are a great band at the end of like, the day. Like, you know, so, I mean, you know, if you look at some of that. But the thing that Five, thing, five Finger Death Punch, like, the thing that Metallica, Five Finger Death Punch, not comparing them at all, by the way, because I think Metallica... No, no comparison. Part. But, um, <laughs> you know, the thing about Metallica compared to, like, Five Finger Death Punch, Avenged Sevenfold, you know, all these big, like, arena kind of metal bands is they have a show. Yeah. 
know they what I mean? Show. They, they do something. Yeah. They do something on stage different. They than do just something at different. Their feet, playing yeah. the same song over and over, and and people just don't. People need something to see. They yeah. also have their own sound. I've noticed. Like right. my very first concert was in New York City, and I don't know what I was thinking, but it was some forty-one, and my buddy and I went. Of course, we didn't drive at the time, so our folks drove us to New York City. Thanks, Mom. Love you, Dad. Uh, point of the matter is, is that we saw them, and I had uh, at the time I was taking drum lessons. I was about a year in, and my teacher's like, oh, man, you don't want to listen to that crap. They're all going to run it through the PA system, and they all, like, you know, it's going to sound, all you're hearing is from the PA system. It's all EQ'd and preset. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, it's just, hey, man, go enjoy. Just see it for yourself. And I recognized some 41 when i first heard them because they had a unique sound uh they just sounded like it's just like corn like corn too they had they don't even consider themselves new metal uh but when i saw them live i'm like man he was right it's like it's just bombastic noise and everything mm-hmm. i mean i could hear them i could hear the enunciation of the vocals and everything uh but no use for a name opened up for them mm-hmm. and they were they're like 10 times more experienced and veterans and stuff uh, like one 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 of my bucket list is Bad Religion. Love to see them live. Uh, awesome. Love to love, that, love to yeah. see them live. Uh, the Offspring are actually I think signed by them, and then the Offspring signed the Vandals, uh, which is like, be cool. Vandals are really good. Listen to Total Immortal. It's a really good song. But yeah, well, stuff like that. I think that goes into kind of what we were talking about earlier too, with like you know the perception of what you should be. You know what I mean? If some forty one comes out and they're all muddled, it's because. They felt like they should be that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like harsh time, guitars. Yeah. And like where Chester Bennington <clears throat> took his life. Uh, yeah. I was talking to a buddy of mine at LSA Burger at Denton, who's the guitarist for the biographies, and they're kind of like an indie rock band. They're really good. And uh, go see them, biographies, amazing band, Denton. And we were discussing, like, this was like the day after he took his life. And he's like, you got to remember, like, in the early 2000s, Linkin Park sounded that way because a lot of other bands sounded that way too. Mm-hmm. You know, even Limp Biscuit, believe it or not, had that type of new metal sound. Uh, and then when they started experimenting, mm-hmm. people were like, oh man, why are you sounding different? Why are you doing this? And I'm not saying that's why Chester took his life. It's just like there were a lot of people mad at him. There was even an article I read where he called out someone in the audience. He's like, hey, meet me out back if you don't like the way we sound, man. Because they started playing Minutes to Midnight and everybody booed him after uh, the Meteora stuff and I'm like well they're trying something different I mean they're not like doing it purposely to piss people off and that's a that's like a fine line I think like when you like the product that you deliver like I think it's okay to be experimental and to do your thing but if you completely abandon like your identity I don't know I don't know if it's I think it's case by case basis yeah. I mean uh, I, I always feel it's you know, anyone's going to criticize some band, like, let's take Opeth. I, I really like Opeth. They've got three distinct sounds from the early death metal to the pro- heavy prog to the more 70s prog, and people yeah. really hate on them because of that. And I'm like, it's their music. It yeah, flames if you're paying, can't be judicious. Yeah, it flames yeah. is it flames another is example. Like that flames, I mean, if, yeah. you, if you basically, unless you're paying them to write you something, Listen to well, it. Or don't listen. Yeah, to it. I don't it's know. Your choice. I don't you have think, a choice. We all have a choice. I think the cool thing about In Flames is theirs was like I think theirs was over time. Mm. Like it wasn't all of a sudden like we're death metal and then now we're kind of I don't know. I guess I'd say more proggy a little bit. Like you know what I mean. I think it was a transition. Um, but I don't know. I mean, my thing is I just play whatever I want. Exactly. If you don't like it, I eh. think that's that's the biggest um, the biggest thing they'll take away is you know at the end of the day music is a communication of what you're feeling and write how you want because otherwise if here's the thing if if you don't if you write it how you expect other people to to like it then it's gonna actually come out insincere yep yeah if you write what you want how you want it to sound and you communicate the emotions that you're uh, that you're trying to get out then it's all all the more realistic and it, it people people will pick up on insincerity yeah, yeah. Oh, even yeah. people got on to uh, rivers cuomo weezer when they covered africa by toto and they're uh, like hey well they're selling out like it even people like Corey taylor stone sour when they did two cover albums uh they did uh, give me shelter by rolling stones with guest vocalist lizzie hale a hailstorm and he's like man you trolls should just go back to your homes and i agree with Corey taylor on that mm-hmm. i mean if, if you're gonna get on to the guy for covering a bunch of other people's tunes then don't listen to it it's as simple as that uh, think about Corey taylor 
and I think Rob Flynn has a little bit of this too, is I think they spend a little bit too much time trying to influence, you know what I mean, other people into what they think and agree. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like Corey's book, I haven't listened to it, so I can't quote it, but um, you're making me hate you. You know what I mean? I have no interest to read it because I don't want his opinion on right. everything else in the world. Same thing with, like, is it Rob Flynn or is it... Um, Rob who, Flynn does a lot of... Who wears the Kill the Kardashian shirt? <laughs> oh, That um, might be Gary Holt. Gary, Gary Holt. It's Gary Holt. So, I mean, that kind of shit, dude. Like, my thing is, is, like, I don't like the Kardashians. But at the same time... Actually, yes. Like, Corey actually just released a pull Why quote like? saying that Imagine Dragons is the second most. Or <laughs> I heard top, that too. I didn't, top, even, like, I didn't even click like on the he, article. His like, nickname is the Great Big Mouth for a reason. It's it's all publicity, right. and he's saying like, oh, they're just like Nickelback. They're like you know. I know. And I saw Imagine Dragons live last year, and I can assure you, they were an amazing band. They Imagine put on Dragons. quite a show. They did and a, Dan Reynolds and the guys from Vegas or whatever, man, they're just. They did. A, they did a cover of Blake Page by Taylor Swift. I love that shit. What Imagine Dragons? Yeah. I need to hear Again, that. I think. I think it's subjective. Like music is music. Whatever you like, you like. We even put it on. I put it on Messenger. I said thoughts, and Adam was like, "You know what? You want to listen about people shaking their butt? Do it, man. People shaking their butt. But Simon, I think you put your two cents in. Of course, like (laughs) you you don't have to like. I mean, I don't have to listen to it. Period. (laughs) I consider myself kind of a lyricist, so I, you know, I really like lyrics. I mean, that's like look at Frank Zappa. I mean, Frank Zappa stuff was yeah. I mean, all impromptu. It's one of my favorite things to kind of listen to. The lyrics and how the melodies go together and where they put words, right. but at the same time, if somebody wants to listen to you know ho ho go bang ho yeah, go go right. then go for yeah, it. Yeah, I don't care. Like we're 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 also living in a nation where we have the freedom to do it, and yeah. it, it, a lot of countries too also have democracy. Believe it or not, it's just more so. We're you know we seem to have we're a very opinionated society. Uh, when I took a lot of journalism courses, like we're manipulated by the media. The, Anything someone's going to say on the mainstream media, the, we're going to eat it up unless we debunk the, it or, you know, do the, research. The problem is not that, like, we can be manipulated, like, you know what I mean, or opinionated. Like, everybody's entitled to their opinion. The oh, problem yeah. is that I can't have an opinion and you have a difference of opinion without me wanting you to jump to my side of the opinion and actually i think those things are kind of i don't know i think if we agreed on everything all the time i wouldn't like that because it's part of the fun to be like you know i love george Strait, and you know you guys may not but hey man i I listen to taylor swift i I blast that shit sometimes i wouldn't admit to that no i'm just kidding (laughs) no i'm just kidding i just contradicted myself can you add like that effect of the audience going I'm gonna cut it here and put some uh, crickets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it'll like, be like Taylor, the I like Taylor show Swift. I think she's, I think she's a good writer. I think she's too much into her own shtick about yeah. writing about people that she broke up with. But yeah. well, that begins like the emo-ish type. Of, yeah, <clears throat> like so people any, think like country music is just farm emo. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little deeper than <laughs> that. <Farm> emo, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing I like about country, believe it or not, is that it's like, I don't know. It's to me, it just seems like normal stuff. You know what I mean? Like they really are just thinking about normal stuff, like going to get a bo- a beer, and mm-hmm. they're just you know. dressed differently. That's a little bit, yeah. I mean, some of them. I yeah. mean, you mentioned George Strait. That's when country music, oh, in my opinion, was George like Strait's old school country. But well, you that's get what these I mean. guys now. They wear the V necks and yeah. Well, know. the rock and roll country, kind of like yeah. what is it, Rascal Flats? Oh yeah. They're a little too generic for me. But like once we talked about before, uh, who am I to go up to a bunch of people who are fans of them and be like? Hey, you know, you should really yeah. listen to Patsy Klein instead. Your, your music's wrong. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, yeah, you can. Little, I'm not of liberty to do that. Right. Not exactly. of liberty to do that. Period. We can have an opinion, but like you just initiated, it's like, oh, I can have an opinion, but it has to be different. Like we have, to, we just have to resonate. I can't promise I, I won't like, make no. fun of you for you. Right. No, that's the thing. But, but that's more. I'm not going to try and change your opinion. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It doesn't really mean I care. I just like to make fun of people for right. things. It's Bull busting. It's part of my nature. So, um, okay, so next topic, I think, is what What do you guys feel like are some of the most important things to try in marketing a band or playing in a band? <clears throat> I think getting Facebook out there and getting that going. And then um, I think to start, you know, those Facebook ads that we did, you know what I mean? Like, I mm. think actually paying for the advertisement helps, you know what I mean? It's like... 
you know, the thing about that is, is like, you know, people do commercials all the time on TV to try to get their product noticed. Right. So you have to invest a little bit of time into that. You got to mm-hmm. spend money to make it. You know, because the thing about it, too, that I've noticed is, you know, there's a lot of saturation. So if I post something and I'm like, hey, go like my band, you know, all my friends will like it. All your friends will like it. All Brett's friends will like it. But their friends aren't necessarily going to click on it just because of who I am. So I think trying to find, you know, real people that would be interested in it. And I think, like, you know, just boosting the Facebook page, you know, with the reanimator picture and stuff like that. I mean, draws people's attention and we got a lot of likes from it. Um, So I think that's, you know, kind of number one. And then I think, like, I'm starting to feel like the kind of the merch aspect of it, too, I think is going to be you know a you see big people one wearing our gear well because that's the thing i mean you go to you know these shows you know and you don't sell tickets but if you sell merch you actually pocket all that money and you don't have to split it with anybody so i think just seeing how that'll work out seeing if people actually will like buy t-shirts mm-hmm. and stuff like that <coughs> will and be th- beneficial and i think for that um you know, along along with you've got to have really good music to, to begin with. You know, everything else kind of relies on the product. Yeah, I think that with too. merch, the designs have to be really good. You can't just put out a crappy T-shirt and expect people to buy it right. just because they like your band. You, it, it's got to be something that they want to wear because it's a cool design. And and you, in doing so, you may actually find that you'll sell more than just the people that like your band. They might just buy the. They might hate your band, but they might like the T-shirt. Buy the gear, so yeah. they'll just buy it regardless. Well, and I mean, then that's the thing, you know. If we something, we come up with something cool and an image that people like and gravitate around, you know. And then they don't like the music. I mean, I'm still just as proud of yeah <laughs> being oh, a T-shirt we, designer, we I guess. You know, cool my friend design. David wore the shirt he bought from us to a bar in Flower Mound, and the the bartender liked it. Cool. So. You know, so I mean, and you know, had no idea what it was. Just the raccoon was enough to get it noticed. So I think that too, branding. Yeah, it's like our mascot type thing. Then I left off music can be in tight because I figured that was like, I I kind of feel like that's kind of like an unspoken like the music has to be good. Oh yeah. Danceable. But the thing about that too, though, is like even then, I mean, the cool thing about getting out and playing shows and stuff is if people aren't responding to certain parts of the song, we could always change it. And that that's a key point right there. Pay attention to what you the know what I mean? is doing. Like I kinda think of it as like, you know, these stand up comedians that go out to these clubs, the small ones, and they just try stuff out, mm-hmm. you know. There's no reason, like as musicians, we can't do, do that same right. thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like say, hey, you know It's all an art form. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, death in an elevator. Okay, you know, when we start, you know, Brett's gonna count to four, everybody jump. If everybody jumps, we do it every time. If nobody jumps, then maybe we don't try that again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe we try again when we get a bigger, younger crowd. Right. I'm not jumping on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I can't jump because I'm playing. Drum. I'll hit like a. I'll hit <laughs> like a. Jump. <laughs> I'll hit like a board in the stage, and it'll like fl- fling you up into the rafters. Trey Cool did that at Green Day one That'd time. He awesome. jumped and then landed on his bass pedal. Yeah. And one time he did it was at a studio. They were recording. I think it was 21st Century Breakdown. And it was in, in downtown Manhattan, and he broke he broke his uh, his foot, yeah. and he had to play like the rest of the album. I want I want to say I don't know if this is accurate in a cast yeah. in a brace and, and he, he's a, he's, a, he's like a true pop punk drummer Trey mm-hmm. Cool and like ever since I heard that I'm like I want to try that not break my foot but I'd like to try and like do some tricks but my philosophy as a drummer that is I mean anybody else can have their once again own opinion is fine um, the professionalism is how you play I mean you could do all the tricks in the world but it's just like can you keep the tempo? Can you keep? Uh, can, right. can you lock the backbeat in? I'm not focused on spinning the sticks right away. I mean, I can learn that on the side, but a lot of drummers do it, and sometimes I've heard them at local, you know, dive bars here in the DFW area, and they're not that great, you know. And they, but they could do these amazing tricks. And then I've seen drummers who are like, wow, like Neil Peart, like he does a lot of tricks. He can, I'd- but he was he's like the greatest of all time. I think I think that's a good point too. Not doing too much. I think like as a good you know, as a guitar player, I'd rather do some tight rhythms than mm-hmm. be able to shred all over the place because I can't. Um, right. I mean, I, and that, I have like I don't know. I don't really have that much of an interest to learn. Yeah, to that's that's also a subjective part of music, though. It's it's yeah. all extra parts that you know. If you want to do it, do it. That's great. 
But I, I, I like the fact that you bring up jumping as a drummer. I just want to give a shout out to episode two, Tester. I'll show you a video of uh, uh, the drummer of that band. He's, he's crazy. Sounds um, good. And yeah. uh, another thing I was going to say to you, um, you know, just thinking in terms of like the music and, you know, what we need to do to like, you know, uh, be successful or like one of the things is just that confidence too. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you know, one of my favorite things to watch is live musicians messing up on stage. I, I think it's hilarious mm -hmm. and it's going to happen to me multiple times. And I just love that. And it's like, the, you know, the fact that, you know, we kind of own the stage when we're up there. You know, I think a lot of people get up there and, you know, they let the sound guy kind of do their thing and then they just leave the shit. I'm guilty of that, too. My first show that I ever played live, I was playing bass. I couldn't hear anything. You know, and I never said anything because, you know, I figured, hey, we're off and rolling. You know what I mean? And now I don't have that mindset. If I can't hear anything, he's going to be turning it up. You know, so I think that's a kind of a big part of it, too. Mm -hmm. just, you know, I think that separates bigger bands from local bands is owning the stage. Like, in, in such a way, like, charisma and stuff like that is, is one thing. But that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like, your ability to be able to play without that panic factor. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, one of my favorite stories uh, from you, maybe I should let you tell it because it's your story, when you dropped your tuner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, my, my previous band, um, yeah, so it was our first gig opening for a, for a national touring act. And, um, yeah, I had a clip-on tuner on my guitar headstock. And we had one song in the middle of the set that I tuned differently. I went to turn it on and I flicked it into the staging. Uh -huh. um, and I panicked. Yeah, I absolutely panicked. I could have, I could have just turned my uh, my tuner on my guitar rig on, but I was yeah you know, so caught up in the moment of like, what the hell did I just do? I ended up taking my guitar off. I luckily I saw it. I had to lay down on the stage, reach all the way down to the staging and pick it up and then go. But yeah, yeah, it was it was See. just stuff like that is uh, yeah. You just you just have to get out of the mindset. Uh, you, you just have just have to overcome your stage fright. Oh yeah. Bit. Oh man. Well, just that's the that. thing. Like the thing about it too is, I mean, it's, you know, I, I don't know. Like I said, I like that. I like the mistake, so if that happens to us, I'll just, I'll, we'll just stop. I'll be like, Simon's got to get his tuner. He dropped it, you know, we're going to, you know, uh, I'll tell you guys a story or a joke right. or something. You know, but it's a, a, it's a lot of pressure from, like, the other guys you're in a band with sometimes, too. Hmm. You know, because, you know, I mean, bands have egos. Luckily, I don't think any of us have any kind of an ego. Uh, I'm probably the biggest dick in this band, which is, like, <laughs> which is odd because I feel like I'm the nicest guy in the world. But at the same time, I think compared to you two, I'm kind of a piece of shit. Uh, and that's not me self-loathing. It's just true. Um, you know, but, I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things. You know, nobody has egos. We're all cool. You drop sticks uh, or decide to tune during a song, you know, that's what we do. Yeah. I think a lot of that, uh, the benefit of that is from, uh, you know, like, like you mentioned before, we're all kind of mid to late 30s. Some of, them are, uh, some of us are older than others. Yes. I'm feeling it. Um, but, you know, we, we have that life experience that means that we just don't care about the little shit. I know yeah. that, that's a good life skill is just... Don't give a shit about the little stuff. Yeah, man. Like, the the ability to to move on and, like, just get through things with a positive attitude, too, I think is, mm -hmm. like, you know, a huge plus. Like, not every show we do is going to be good. No. Um, you know, we may play better March 17th because it's our first show. It's kind of a bigger one, you know. And then we might slack on, a you know, a little bit at Killer Tacos. I would, you know... I mean, it's always my goal to play 100%, but I mean, that's just how it is, you right. know? Like, your situation determines, like, what goes on. We'll also be on a smaller stage, you right. know? Probably won't have sound, so. That's fine. You know? Cool. Well, any closing uh, comments for this episode? Or? No. Just keep on rocking, man. <laughs> yeah. Don't listen to Corey Taylor. <laughs> I mean, you could listen to him, but, like... Well, listen, he, to, his, listen to his music, listen not to Stone his, Sour. Because like, uh, <laughs> hey, they can't... They kicked Jim Root out. Hey, actually, Christian Martucci is a pretty damn good guitarist. No, but yeah, not, when Jim the Root bald was one? 
N- no, he's got the slick black hair. Yeah, I don't like the him. Bald one's Josh Rand. I don't like him either because they kicked Jim Root out. Well, Jim I Root, love Jim they, Root. You got to remember they actually sounded a little different with Jim Root in a good way. I know because he was I mean, bad at. Actually, their latest album's really good. Hydro gradually grew out. It's Stone Sour. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Listen to whatever you want. Sorry, I keep contradicting myself. Also, before we put another uh, dollar in the swear jar, Slipknot is dropping a new album later they this are. year. They yeah. are. It's going to be awesome. Jim Root's going to be on it. Yeah. Well, he's in the band. I hope so. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Thank you, guys. And we'll uh, yeah, yeah, catch up on the next episode. Thanks. Hopefully it didn't suck. Fuck. <laughs> 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 I hope this episode was entertaining, if not mildly informative. Check out the show notes at musiconyourownterms.com. And if you want to keep up with the band, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash creatures and chemicals. To round out the episode, I'm going to play a track from version one of Creatures and Chemicals and the EP they released prior to my joining. This track is called They Live. Hope to see you soon. Be excellent to each other. Keep pushing the needle. Oh, baby.